Welcome to What Do You Think I'm Al? And I'm C. And today we are reviewing a vampire movie in the summer. C, is this possible? And it's not Ghost Ship, which was a total piece of crap. Oh my god. No, did, folks. Did, this did, is Last Voyage of the Demeter. Wait. Was Ghost Ship about vampires? No, it wasn't. It wasn't at all. No, I was just, that's like the only other like semi-scary movie I can think that exclusively takes on a boat. That, like exclusively on a boat. Mm-hmm. Not like delves into it or in some way. But, okay, okay. Like fully. But no, it has nothing to do with vampires. It's bad, but it has nothing to do with vampires. So uh, Last Voyage of the Demeter is directed by... Uh, Norwegian film director Andre Orvidal, who most folks, especially millennials, would know mm-hmm. from 2010's uh, Troll Hunter. Yes, although that's not my favorite movie of his, I would think. Yeah, uh, he made his Amer- he made like his debut stateside with uh, Autopsy of Jane Doe, which, which is fucked and good. Like that's 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 one of those like oh you want an underrated like. Horror movie, Autopsy of Jane Doe is very, very underrated. With really good acting too, like really oh, yeah. good. It's uh, it's well, the dad is from Succession before he did that. Oh yeah, Brian Cox and Emile Hirsch, two very, yeah. very well respected actors. Mm-hmm. And uh, it also has uh, what's his face, the the guy from oh the guy from Game of Thrones. He played the yeah uh, the Bolton the Bolton uh, father. Yeah the the yeah he plays like the sheriff in that. And he's a good British character actor. You'll see him in a lot oh, of things. Oh yeah, he was like in he was like in both versions of the Justice League. He he's a really good character actor. Uh, what's his, what's his name? I can't remember his name. Michael McElhadon. Was he also in the Tragedy of Macbeth? He I feel, might have been. But I feel a lot like of, a lot of British character actors were in that, but he might have been. <laughs> I always yeah. recognize him whenever I see him. But he's he's actually. He's very talented. He did this one movie where he played the father of a teenage son who was going through chemo, and he did a very good job with that. Like, mm-hmm. not this, I don't want to say stereotypical, but there's movies like this that go a direction that you expect, and it actually doesn't. Like, they embrace the fact that the kid's still like a rowdy teen, and like the father has to deal with that. And it's very fast. I can't remember the name of it for the life of me, but. Uh, he's very good in it, and it's just well done in general. Yeah. So Orvidal also directed, a few years after The Autopsy of Jane Doe, he directed what everyone thought was going to be an unfilmable film adaptation of the anthology series Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Mm-hmm. Uh, most people were like, that's unfilmable. What what, what movie are you going to get out of it? Uh and uh, the producer of Scary Stories, uh, Guillermo del Toro, handpicked Orvidal because he was such a big fan of Troll Hunter. Mm-hmm. And uh, suffice to say that Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark is probably the scariest PG-13 horror movie I've seen in a while. It's like, it's it's <clears throat> that and Krampus for me. Yeah. And Krampus like, doesn't come close to it. But those are like the two examples I can think of. Like Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark is that movie that I tell like parents who love horror movies is like, oh, what should I expose my kid to? I don't want to be like my parents where we just showed them like hard R horror films when they were like eight. 
Like my dad yeah. did that, you know. My dad did that too. I watched The Exorcist when I was nine. Which oh god, that's not no, that's not that's. I love my dad, but that wasn't one of his best moments because I actually ran away from it about halfway through the movie. The scene where the girl goes d- backwards down the stairs, crab walking, with her blood spewing out of her mouth. Uh huh. Uh, that's when we like to say she came down the stairs and I ran up the stairs. My uh. <laughs> that, that broke my nine-year-old brain. I my think. my dad. So 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 to, to to give him credit, it was mostly uh, hard R action movies that he was. That's showing a little me. better. That's, that's a little better. better. But he had one movie that he really enjoyed. It was a horror B movie starring Bruce Campbell called Maniac Cop. I've heard uh, of this. And that was like, that's a straight up slasher movie. Yeah. And that kind of fuck, that kind of made me scared of cops for like a year. <laughs> I, I saw it. With, That'll do it. I, I was like seven. I was like, oh, that, that cop's going to slash my throat if I tell him that I'm being pursued by muggers. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah. But Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark is not like, it's crazy. It's a PG-13 movie that is so scary. It, it really is very scary mm-hmm. that... That's like, yeah, if you have like a 10-year-old who's like, I want to watch a horror movie. That's uh, it. Yeah, you go from like, uh, show I Show them know. Gremlins first, actually. You show them Gremlins? Yeah. No, show them Monster House first. Actually, show yeah, them, you're right. Then show yeah. them Gremlins, then show them this. And mm-hmm. if they can handle this, when they're like 13, then show them The Exorcist. Then show them yeah. Rosemary's Baby, Halloween, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. You cannot Halloween because Halloween is so real in its in what it could happen. That's too much for like a first horror movie for a kid. That will I, fuck me. That'll fuck the kid up. I love, I love that I had someone like give me a straight up like, like a passionate argument that like I can totally show my kid Texas Chainsaw Massacre. There's no blood in it. <laughs> yeah, that's the reason. <laughs> yeah, that's the reason you sh- you show your kid. You're like, because his kid was like s- six. So, it's like, oh my god. I, 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 Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's, well, that's a that's a lot. Uh, your dad's a wonderful guy, but that's a lot. No, no, that's not. That wasn't my dad. That that's like oh. a family friend of mine who was like, oh, I want to I want to show my kid a scary movie. I'm like. This was this was like before scary stories to tell in the dark came out. Yeah. Like, and he's like, he's like, oh, I think I'll show them uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre because there's no blood in it. And I was like, <laughs> what? You don't need it. You don't need it. <laughs> Jesus. Like, also, uh, yeah, <laughs> no. God, but, Jesus. Yeah. So anyway, going going yeah. back to uh, Andre Orvidal. I just want to add one quick thing. The reason why my dad let me watch Exorcist when I was nine is because a little bit, I think a re, like st- I was still nine, but uh, a few years before, he had me watch Pitch Black, and I loved it. But I, at the time, I told him, that's the scariest movie I've ever, I like it, but that's the scariest thing I've ever seen. And he's like, oh, you want to see scary? And he played that. And I'm oh. like, ah! no, no, like, for the longest time, Halloween and uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre were the scariest things. Like Texas Chainsaw Massacre was giving me anxiety as I was watching it. I was like, oh my God, oh my God. But uh, uh, no, I've seen scary. Thanks to Ari Aster, I've seen scarier. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. He's Um, he's shattered the bar. Ari Aster and um, uh, what's that Japanese? Takashi Miike. I've seen scarier. Uh, But anyway, Orvidal... uh, after Scary Stories, he went back to Norway and directed a Norwegian film called Mortal. I have not seen it. Uh, Me neither. I, could, I couldn't comment on it. 
I've uh, heard I've heard very average things. Like I I looked it up after I saw the movie we're reviewing tonight, and I've just heard very okay things about it. Nothing bad, nothing good, mm-hmm. just fine. And I could be wrong. but yeah, so he did that. Came out like in the midst of the pandemic, and now he comes back to United States making a again a studio film for Universal, if I'm not mistaken. The last mm-hmm. voyage of Demeter is from Universal. And yeah, he's back and he's made what he calls like alien on a boat. Yep. That he like he he one of his big inspirations was the Ridley Scott film Alien. Mm-hmm. And uh this this opportunity came up and he decided to take it. Mm-hmm. Uh so what is The Last Voyage of the Demeter about? Well, folks, have you ever read a novel called Bram Stoker's Dracula? I'm assuming I've heard yeses and noes. Yes, we hear the yeses. This, this ain't a two-way podcast, folks. Yeah. Uh, but see, have you have you read Bram Stoker's Bram Stoker, Dracula? I just realized there, this ain't a two-way podcast and there's two people on it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, have I read Bram Stoker's Dracula? No, I have not. Uh, I am sad to say. But I did have a friend in middle school who has read it, who did read it, and told me a lot about it. That's when I first learned. And I read... The best way I can describe it is I told my mom I wanted to read Bram Stoker's Dracula, but okay, I don't talk about this a lot, but I have dyslexia. And she she would have she she was fine with me reading the book, but she thought like the old the way it's written, she thought I wouldn't like actually read it or enjoy it. So she picked a version that you know those are versions of the books that just select excerpts of it. Yeah. And, like, you can read and then it like explains what it means, so to yeah. speak. I read that. So it's like, to be clear, I have not read Bram Stoker's Dracula, but I read a version that like had original excerpts, then would uh, explain it for like a few paragraphs. And then and then there'd be a page where it's like, now here's what happens next, but in summary form. And then it would get into another chapter of the original text. So I've written some, read some of it, but not the entire thing by any means. Okay. Okay. Um, all right, so folks, Bram Stoker's Dracula pretty much codified all the tropes we know about Dracula. Uh, you can read it. It was it was one of the earliest novels that like it has like a. It's basically told like through diary entries. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's how the novel it tells its story. And it was in fact, the, in a lot of uh, the later Hammer uh, Dracula movies, like with uh, Christopher Lee, it often yeah. opens with either the first victim. Or uh, Van Helsing's diary entry. A lot of them open mm. that way. Yeah. Um, in certain ways. And that's what it takes from. Yeah. So obviously Bram Stoker, Irish author who created Dracula based off of some research he'd done on a Transylvanian chimps called Val- Vlad Tepes. Also called Dracul because he would basically and drink Vlad the, the blood. Vlad the Impaler as well. Vlad the so. Impaler because he would, you know, impale people and drink their blood. Mm-hmm. As as a way to scare Muslims from the east from crossing into Transylvania, mm-hmm. and uh, and or from from crossing into Romania, and coming into Christendom. Yes, uh, and he he was famously you've heard his name. He was he you have to be pretty brutal to have a myth like Dracula based on you. That's intense. Yeah. Um. So, in the original novel, like folks, if if you've seen any like pretty much any adaptation of Dracula of that novel 
going as early as like uh, 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 Nosferatu, mm -hmm. the vampire, and uh, uh, Bela Lugosi's Dracula, mm -hmm. uh, the Hammer Dracula's, uh, Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula, Bram Stoker's as he called it, Bram Stoker's, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Dracula. Yeah, like any version of Dracula that that deals with the general plot line of Dracula wants to leave Transylvania and go to uh, uh, London, specifically mm -hmm. Carfax Abbey, to get more victims. Mm -hmm. And you have your Jonathan Harker, your 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 Lucy's, your when you have all that, and, and your Van Helsing's, right? When you have the general like Dracula versus Van Helsing and friends story, um, most some adaptations don't include it, others do. It, it depends, but there's always a segment where. Uh, Dracula is basically transported in his coffin on a ship. Ship is almost always called the Demeter because it's called the Demeter in the novel. Mm -hmm. And uh, by the time the ship reaches London, to add the horror of what of how much of a monster Dracula is, the entire crew is dead. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, that's in the original novel. And some movies basically include that, like, oh, this ship appeared out of this ship that was that was coming in from the east appeared in London out of nowhere. And it was empty. And it was empty. Ooh, yeah. scoop Ooh feet, right? scary. Yeah. And what uh, Universal and the filmmakers decided to do, they were like, what if we tell a, a feature length story about how, well, how, what exactly went down on that ship? Right? Which is a genius idea. I'll say yeah. that up front. No, yeah. That, that's, and I'm amazed that, has, that hadn't been done sooner. Like, I've, I've heard takes where people are like, oh, that's such a stupid idea. But I'm like, no, no, no. It's, it's actually really cool because. Like it allows you to, it, it 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 presents a new horrific side of Dracula where yeah it's literally alien on a boat with the most famous vampire in all of recorded human history, mm -hmm. right? It, it it's an ingenious idea. It it's the you know some movies like some movies you know are going to get made because the pitch is just really that, really good. That good, yeah. When the pitch is so good that it, when an, like when a like a layman, no one who's like into cinema, when a layman hears the pitch and goes like, "Oh yeah, I'd watch that," you got you got something interesting. You may not necessarily have a hit. Yeah, um, you may not even have something good, but you have something interesting. You have something interesting that that'll bring at least some uh, uh, butts to seats, and if you're lucky, you create something that's going to be a fixture on the Halloween uh, movie circuit. Uh, when people throw their Halloween parties and watch horror movies. Mm -hmm. uh, so the last voyage of the Demeter, it, it's about, I think in the original novel, it was like a chapter, a chapter and a half okay. of the book. Uh, and basically in the novel, again, uh, the gypsies who work for, uh, or the Romani who work for uh, uh, Dracula, basically drop off his coffin. He's like in a coffin filled with his dirt. Drop it off to Demeter under the guise that like, oh, this is cargo that needs to be sent to Carfax Abbey, uh, but it, Dracula's in it, and uh, you know, the sh it it goes from the point of view of of Jonathan Harker to uh, the captain of the Demeter, Captain uh, I, I don't know what was his name in the original novel. In the movie, he's called Captain Elliot, but I I'm, yeah. I, I don't know. If I'm that's we're not. I'm ninety percent sure it's not what is in, is in the book, but that's okay. I'm pretty sure the 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 first mate Wojcik is in the novel because that sounds very familiar. But again, isn't there reference of a doctor, or am I wrong on the boat? Oh, you may there may be a. It's been a while since I've read the book, yeah. but Maybe you I'm may be right. Yeah, uh, I feel like there but was. anyway. Uh, so 
you know, the, the captain's log starts writing down these mysterious things that are happening on the ship. Eventually, people start going missing. People start ending up dead and with, like, no blood in their bodies. And he basically writes a thing that there's, like, some sort of monster on the ship and that he's going to tie himself to the oar uh, or to the, you know, the steering wheel. I, I don't know what it's called. Uh, to make sure that the ship does not reach uh, England. Mm-hmm. Obviously. Uh, then it switches to an entry of a constable who's like, hey, the Demeter just like wrecked itself on the shores of England. Mm-hmm. And the story continues. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, before we watch the trailer, or actually see what are, just, just in general, like what were what are your views, your thoughts, your opinions on Dracula, the Dracula story, if you will? Oh, sure. Let me, let me I'll just say that my main exposure to Dracula is through uh, Christopher Lee's Dracula. He's my Dracula, so to speak. He's the one that I've always like found to be the best because he's just the right amount of, you know, fabulously campy, but just the right amount of vicious. And just the right amount, just the right blend. Because he brings an animal, animalistic quality to it, but a refined quality as well. Because, um, plus, Christopher Lee has some of the most piercing eyes of any actor. And that's what you need when you're playing Dracula. So it just works very well. I know when you look back, because there were quite a few of the Christopher Lee Draculas. And the original one, the first one's obviously the best one. But... So it's it's easy to say that the stories surrounding his, the Christopher Lee Dracula get kind of are some of them are a little more rough than than others, but there's just such a great old Hollywood quality to them, even though they were made much later on. They just somehow retain they they you know what it is. It's like mm. those movies are high-budget versions of those really bad B-horror movies that you normally find. But, like, they actually gave a shit. For a lot of them. Not all of them, but for a lo- for enough of them. Like, they actually put... Kind of like, you know how uh, The Red Death ha- like has a surprisingly good budget? Uh, you ever see that movie? No, I did. I did. It's actually funny because I would, I would kind of describe it the opposite. It was that the Hammer Horror films, like basically spent all their budgets on the sets and that's what made them iconic. And Roger Corman basically was like, I'm going to do that, but I'm going to do that on a really, really small budget. And he got close, but nowhere near close enough that you'd be like, Oh, it's, it's, it's a hammer horror film. Fair enough. That that was kind of the, the thing about hammer horror was that, okay, we can't get the, we, we can't get the A-list talent. Uh, Mm. we can't get the, we, we can't get the A-list talent. We can't get like, but they still strive to get like good actors. That was the thing. Oh yeah, they oh yeah. They they would them. well. The Hammer was located in England, so yeah. Like for some weird reason, English actors are, are better. Somehow. Yeah, British actors always end up being really, really good. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows why? It's in, it must be in the water. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, that's me. It, no. You're right. It must be in the water. I mean, like what what else can it be? Um, but uh, listen, when when you come from the town that inv- that birthed Shakespeare. Fine, you win, actor-wise. Great. Congrats. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so Hammer Horror, Christopher Lee, uh, do you have any attachment to any other version of Dracula? Um, 
that's the one I have the most attachment to, to the point where when I was a kid, I made monster models with my dad, and I literally made, I think I still have it somewhere at my parents' house, a monster model of, it's Christopher Lee's Dracula fighting against uh, Van Helsing, and there's a scene where Van Helsing takes two candlesticks and turns them into a cross and points them at, uh, at Christopher Lee's Dracula, and it's just such this, it's such this great moment. And I bought the model figurines and I put them together in my room and I painted them and it was just so much fun. So that there's a genuine emotional attachment in that case. I guess the only other attachment to any other vampiric thing, um, I'll add that I enjoyed the first two acts of the first uh, Underworld movie. <laughs> and then, l- then let me be more clear. Then, third act on to the other films. Never mind. Oh my God! I'm sorry. Blade Two, directed <laughs> by Guillermo del Toro. Holy cow! That film's awesome. So yeah, there's there's a few. There's a uh, Stakeland's another pretty good one. That's an interesting take on it. Um, but yeah. yeah. Oh my God! I can't believe I forgot Blade Two. How could I dare forget <laughs> that? But I don't have as much emotional attachment to that because I saw that years later. Like I think summer of one of my college years. I was like, oh, I should probably watch this. Yeah. And I so, loved it, but much later on. So be- believe it or not, I actually my first Dracula film was a Christopher Lee Hammer horror Dracula film. It nice. was actually his second one, I think, called a. Uh, Dracula, Prince of Darkness. Yes, that's a great one. Yeah. Is that the one where the father like finds out his daughter's dating an atheist and he loses his shit? I, I, I don't remember. I do know it's okay. the one where he, he's resurrected from his ashes in a very yes. gruesome oh, way. It's so good. Oh, my no, God. No, yeah, that one's really good. It's directed by Terrence Fisher, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, nice. Um, so that was my first Dracula movie. But for some reason, like, you know, because pop- cultural osmosis uh, I, I was exposed to the Bella Lugosi Dracula through, um, you know, there was this there was this restaurant in my old, old hometown that like had like universal monsters like pinball machines. And the, yeah. there was like the only one that worked was the creature from the Black Lagoon. Mm-hmm. But the, there was also like an old like Bella Lugosi Dracula one. Mm-hmm. And uh, when we were when we were really, really young, uh, Burger King had these universal monster toys that you could collect. And I had mm. the Bela Lugosi who would come out of his coffin. It was actually nice. pretty cool. Back when, back when fast food toys were, were like, cool. were cool. Now they're like, you look now at them the, as an, now they would call that a choking hazard. Exactly. No, yeah. Actually, you're totally I'm not right. even lying. It might yeah. actually be the case. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, later on down the line, uh, just, just kind of, cause I've seen a lot of vampire movies, but just to kind of specifically to Dracula, uh, I saw, I saw the original Nosferatu, which I thought was really really cool. It was very eerie, yeah. and when you realize they made him that disgusting in order to not get sued because they didn't own the rights to that's Bram Stoker's Dracula, smart. Was, was pretty pretty funny. Uh, then I saw in high school, I finally did see uh, uh, Bela Lugosi's Dracula, oh. and I remember thinking to myself like. It's so weird watching a movie where there's no music or like the only music that happens in that scene is when they're at the opera house. And I was like, okay, that, that was one thing I couldn't get out of my head. But that being said, because there's no music when, when, uh, Jonathan and you Harker forget is, that too. Yeah. When Jonathan Harker is in, is in, uh, 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 Transylvania and all you hear is like the, the bats, the bugs, the wolves and Bill goes, it goes like the children of the night. 
what music, sweet music they make. And it just gets eerie quiet. I was like, fuck, that's, that's hardcore. Yeah. Uh, and then right before college, I heard that Werner Herzog made a version of Nosferatu, like a remake. I was like, well, I have to watch this because Klaus Kinski is uh, Orlok the Vampire. Or, or Dra- he's called Dracula in that one proper. I was yeah. like, well, I got to watch it. And when Klaus Kinski goes like, the children of the night. What sweet music. I was like, oh, Werner, Werner, you genius. It is uh, no, it's, I it's saw really, a really oh, shitty dub of that, and I couldn't undub it for whatever reason because it was a VHS tape, which I was pissed off about. Wait, but... what? Did it not have Klaus Kinski? Because Klaus no, Kinski it was all these like non. It was all these other actors voicing over it. It was really weird. So because they out. they shot it in German. There's a yeah. German dialogue track, but most of the actors knew English, so mm-hmm. they dubbed themselves in English. Mm. So if if you got a if you got like a version of VHS where it doesn't have Klaus Kinski speaking English, then what the hell? I don't know. I, I maybe I need yeah. to give that another chance, but I it, it's really good, dude. It's really good because and, and the ending's pretty fucked. I, I really like it. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, then uh, you know, it, it, this is actually kind of funny. Really late in life, I saw uh, Francis Ford Coppola's uh, uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, I think I saw like the the Kenneth Branagh Frankenstein, which Coppola produced before I saw this that one. That makes a lot of sense. And here's the thing, though, it was really the first like adaptation that tried to like synchronize the 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 you know the historical character of Vlad the Impaler with Dracula. Like they tried mm-hmm. to like mesh both together, mm-hmm. and, and 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 any movie about dracula that tries to do that usually just steals from 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 coppola's movie because that's like the best way to do it dracula untold is a great example of that yeah dracula Untold is a great example of that uh oh and how could i forget probably my guilty pleasure dracula movie um it's not necessarily a dracula movie uh, Van Helsing starring uh, Hugh Jackman oh, God, that and, movie. and and Richard oh, Rox- Roxborough as a Dracula that Yikes. like like you may not like that movie I saw it in theaters <sighs> dear lord I I, I really enjoy I that to me is a is one of the fun like when people ask me what's a fun Halloween movie where it's like it's obviously like about monsters or stuff the paranormal but it's not super super scary I'm like well you got either Hocus Pocus or Van Helsing Mm-hmm. And and listen, dude, you gotta listen to the to the to to Alan Silvestri's score on Van Helsing. It's epic. It's really really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, and you know, then as you mentioned, Dracula Untold, which I thought had potential but didn't meet it did its potential. Not. No, I, I think. Oh, I I did recently finally just see Shadow of the Vampire. That I enjoyed quite a bit. Really, really, I for for some reason I thought you had seen that movie. I I should have seen that movie is the honest answer because I mean, come on, it's it's uh, oh my god, because because the director the the director of that movie made a short film that's really fucked up. What, you, are you talking about Begotten? Yeah, I thought Begotten. Yeah, I I didn't know that was the same person, and I was like, what the fuck. He's only made two things. He made no. He's made Begotten and he made Shadow of the Vampire and he made one other movie that tanked and then that was it. That was it for him. Wow. But, um, wow. 
All right. Uh, so Willem Dafoe, he, yes, he played uh, Count I, I, Olaf let, brilliantly. Orlock. Well, no, Orlok. he played. No, he plays the actor who plays Orlock. Well, yeah, but that. But then the movie. Have you seen it? I I, I know the general synopsis is that okay. the actor pretends to be a, a weirdo actor, but he's actually a vampire. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, but anyway, so uh, yeah. How about we watch the trailer for mm-hmm. Last Voyage of the Demeter, and mm-hmm. then we start giving our review of Let's this this unique take of the Dracula story. Evil is in board. Powerful evil. We call him Dracula. The Demeter, on charter from Romania to London. Shipping private crates. Contents unknown. Out at sea with no land in sight. This here is Clemens. He's a doctor. You dress like a learned man. University of Cambridge. I've known my way around the boat. Our charter has agreed to pay bonus for timely arrival in London. Let me show you the ship. This here is Huckleberry. We don't come with like this to give the yours clear. Demeter is a fine boat, no doubt. Something ripped apart the animals. All the livestock. This looks like a bite. Search the ship. Everywhere. Evil is on board. Powerful evil. Of that bloody thing. I want to kill the cursed thing. He is on this ship, which means we will never leave it. The devil is real. May God have mercy on us all. All right, so. Last Voyage of the Demeter stars uh, Corey Hawkins. Uh, he played. Uh, he played. Um, um, who did he play on uh, Straight Outta Compton? Oh, do not. Oh, damn it. Doctor um, Dre. He played Doctor yes. Dre. That so stars Corey Hawkins as Doctor Clemens. He's the doctor on board the ship of the Demeter. He's been two doctors. Well, sorry, that was mean. <laughs> no, it's not mean at all. I, I think he uh, provided a compliment. Uh, we also have uh, Aisling Francozzi. She is an Irish actress. Uh, most people would know her. She played. Uh, oh, she was in that movie on Australia. Yeah, Australian, Nightingale. Right? She was the lead in Nightingale, That's which right. 
which was uh, you and I saw it. You and I had very interesting ideas about that movie. Yeah. Uh, but most people would know her as um, Lyanna Stark in Game of Thrones. She was like yes. in one scene, but that's like. But her she most... was a very important character in yeah. one scene. We have Liam Cunningham. Liam Cunningham, also from Game of Thrones, uh, playing the captain, Captain Elliot. Yeah. Uh, we have that was almost typecasting. A little yeah, bit. a little bit, a little bit. Like, yeah, like was, I mean, are, I get it, but damn. No, they literally cast him because they're like, who has the best voice to do the captain's log narration? Oh, Liam Cunningham. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, let's yeah. get him. Uh, and we have one of my favorite character actors, David That Smallchin, as yes. first mate Wojcik. Um, who we just reviewed another movie he was in, The Boogeyman. Yes. He is on a roll this year, actually, in a lot of stuff uh, that he's been in. Also, for the record, I was looking up the cast, and I normally, like, I didn't put it together for a minute, but the kid or the grandson in that, that's the kid from Come On, Come On. So I was like, I knew I kind of recognized him, but that's where he was. That's what he was in. Brian oh, was. yeah, yeah. Woody Norman, yeah, he's on Come On, Come On. Uh, we also have Stefan Kapishik, who plays Olergan. Uh, he was in Deadpool. Uh, he, he voices Colossus in Deadpool. Yes. Um, so for those who recognize his voice, that's, that's Colossus. Uh, the, the, the onset model was another guy, but he's the voice of Colossus. And finally, we have Spanish actor Javier Bote. Uh, most people know him as Mama from Andy Machete's Mama. Uh, he also was, he's also, he's played a variety of monsters. Yeah. He was, he was in the Xenomorph suit and Ridley Scott's, uh, yeah. alien, uh, he's, I, I mean, this as a compliment. He's just, he's got the right way of going about playing those roles, uh, much like Andy Serkis in a lot of ways. He's yeah, just yeah, got yeah. the good, he can, he can replicate the mannerisms really well. Yeah. 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 So he played the alien in alien. Uh, what was the, what was Covenant. the most recent one? Covenant. Yeah. Uh, he played like the more horrific versions of Pennywise uh, mm -hmm. in uh, the It series, also directed by Andy Machete. Uh, and here he plays Dracula. Mm -hmm. So that, that should already tell you where this movie is going in regards to how it's portraying Dracula, that they have uh, basically basically the... Uh, uh, the guy who's been played in a, a xenomorph before. Exactly, the exactly. The, the, an act, I call them the monster stuntmen, mm -hmm. you know, uh, where, where they just kind of just play like monsters um mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't be surprised if later on he gets cast as playing a predator if he hasn't already probably um, so that's our cast again directed by andre orvidal so see mm -hmm. the floor is yours what did you think of the movie so let me first say that the first time i heard about the last voyage of the demeter i think you told me about it and the mo moment you told me i was like "Ooh, okay like I yeah was very when, when i when i told you like oh yeah the guy who made troll hunter and scary movies scary stories to tell in the dark is making a Dracula movie about the, the, the trip, just the yeah, trip. Just the trip. Then I was very excited. So I think my expectations were pretty high for this. That is one thing I'll add. I went in very, very excited about it. Um, and let me just say that this is a fun, this is such a fun action horror set piece. Like that's what this movie is. It's just this it's just this action horror set piece for 99.9% .9 of the movie. And it's got actors who are typecast in all the right ways. <laughs> yeah. uh, honestly, that's what it is. Um, and you've, 
got a director who knows how to do horror really well. And this is overall... And I saw the, all the different tributes to different horror movies that they were doing. And normally when I say that I can... Actually, I should say this. That was a bit of a double-edged sword. Because when I can start... There's one thing where it's like a nod to the inspiration. But when references become more direct, I get sometimes get annoyed. And this was, this was becoming a double-edged sword with that. There were times where it was very, you know, a subtle nod. And then there were times that were very much more obvious. Um, you know, I would say the references to Alien were pretty clear at times. Um, but overall, this is just, this is a fun action horror movie that is really helped by its, I would actually say that is really saved by its premise, I would say. Uh, just such an original idea to, that's been around for so long, too. Like, this part of the story's been around. I was, like, you ever hear an idea for a movie and it makes you mad it's so good? That's what, that's what this was when you told me. I was like, ooh, that's really, really good. Damn it. No, no, um, I, I, I totally agree. I, yeah. I, I, I gotta say though, like it's not just Alien that, like, and I was about to say rip off, but it's not a rip off. Um, no. This movie takes, like, when when C says that this movie takes from so many other movies, it's not just Alien. Even it's, Jaws at one point. It's Jaws. It's it's uh, the Evil Dead. It's um, it's when you get a good look at Dracula, it's very obviously Nosferatu. And uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula, like, like straight up, like, like Francis Ford Coppola probably went to see this movie and he goes like, that bastard, that bastard. Yeah. <laughs> um, they take, they take from, um, th there's one sequence where I was like, oh, this guy, this guy's a deadite now. Oh, okay. Okay. I, I guess, <laughs> I, sure. I guess Orvidal, I mean, obviously Orvidal loves Sam Raimi. If you've seen his other movies, you'd be like, yeah, it's, he loves Sam Raimi. Yeah. Um, he also takes from, you know, in the non-horror elements, he takes from movies like Master and Commander because, you know, mm -hmm. this is this is one of those, uh, the the sailing ship movies. Mm -hmm. So you're obviously gonna take from Master and Commander because that's Master like and Commander might be it, it's 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 that and Mutiny on the Bounty are like the two best. Yeah, yeah. So it takes from those two movies as well. But honestly, the thing was, it did not bother me. You want to know why it didn't bother me, you see? Why? Because, listen, there's when, when you're directing a movie, there, there's two things you got to do. You got to be able to design interesting sequences within the feature, within the mm -hmm. scene, right? Or you got, you got to be able to create interesting sequences to keep the viewer engaged, to keep the audience engaged, right? You do that by having interesting compositions, by having really good editing, or a pro everything has to be appropriate for what you're trying to achieve. But everything's got to work towards that goal in order to keep the eyeballs on the screen. Mm -hmm. I think Orvidal does that really, really well. He's not he's not breaking new ground. Far from it. Like this, no. this is not the th this would he's, not win. A he's made movies that have more original um, ideas. Uh, idea. Well. Yeah, uh, more original action, I would say. Yes, yes, movies. yes, yes. This, this would not win points for most original movie of the year. No. Um, like, seriously, if you've seen Alien, you've, you've seen Last Voyage of the Demeter. Yes. Uh, um, But 
what he does do that you've seen before, he does it competently. And he, yes. I would say he does them in a way that keeps you engaged. And that's what's important. It's not that it's original. It's not that it's quote unquote but that's different. Like the, pre- the premise is an original take. Yeah. That's the thing. That's what, that's what gives this its edge. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. In that I would agree. Uh, and then what he also does is that, so Orvidal works in this space that I really appreciate, which is the mid budget studio movie. <laughs> it's usually horror. Horror comedy is usually the, the two genres, sometimes action. Although, you know, that can vary. And that means you're probably not going to get A-list talent, right? Because you can't afford it. Mm-hmm. But what that does mean is that you're going to get very interesting actors who in bigger budgeted movies or more prestige pictures, they wouldn't be uh, they wouldn't be high up on the cast list, but they still have they still have really really great talent and they get to showcase that talent and they get to showcase uh, their character arcs their characters' personalities, and it makes for a fun viewing experience because here's the thing. If your cast isn't interesting, it's a lot harder to make the movie interesting. Mm-hmm. But if your cast is interesting, man, does that make everything so much better, smooth, smoother sailing. And in this, we got Corey Hawkins, uh, who he's kind of teetering on being A-list leading man material, kind of, sort of. Mm-hmm. Uh, really and truly... We'll after La- Straight Outta Compton, he's kind of been a supporting role. This is one of the few leading roles he's had. Uh, obviously, you can never go wrong with having Liam Cunningham in your in your cast. Like, not only he, he he's he's been great for a long time. I know everybody always remembers his scene in Hunger, but I would even go further and say, look at look at his role in Dog Soldiers. It's a great role. And listen. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I didn't care. Like, this is actually kind of funny. Uh, Me and C saw The Nightingale around the same time. Pretty much. And and the thing we all agreed was that, like, the lead should not have been Aisling Francozzi's character. It should have have been the the Aborigine uh, 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 character played by... uh, by Kali Gandambar, Billy. We basically realized, oh, that's the better story. <laughs> that's the better story, and he's the more interesting character. Yeah. Um, that being said, though, obviously this 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 woman has talent, and yeah, the the what she's required to do in this movie, it it, it works, and it's it's great. And listen, I I I gotta applaud him. Like David, that Smallchin has. Outside of like a few roles here and there, like with uh, James Gunn's Suicide Squad, and um, and uh, well, he didn't really had a lot to do in in, uh, in Dune, uh, but no, but he's a pretty. It was a pretty interesting character he played. Yeah, I, I actually, you know what? No, uh, he's done some voice roles in some animated Batman uh, Batman movies mm-hmm. that have been really good, but he's mostly been regulated to being a side character who doesn't get a lot of focus like yeah. but he's still very interesting like say in blade runner uh, 2049 yes or um or more recently but, with oppenheimer but the thing is he's being put in more and more things so yeah. he's getting bigger this, people i think are starting to realize that he's actually very good yeah i mean w- once once nolan hires you again after he pretty much hired you as an extra and made your career Yep. Like when he's like, oh, you're actually a great actor. Here's a role that's a pivotal role in, in my movie. Yep. Uh, you know, but this, his character of Wojciech, I would say after James Gunn's Suicide Squad is the meatiest role he's had. Yeah. 
And and straight up, like when we're introduced to Wojcik, you're like, okay, it's going to be another David that small chin, uh, side character role that is going to be fun, but it's not, he's not going to have any focus or growth or to speak of. Mm-hmm. And no, that's not the case. The character of Wojcik is actually very complex, very nuanced, and I really, really appreciated that. And I, I thought uh, the 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 main four cast members worked really well. Uh, Stefan Kapishik uh, as Olegren, uh, he kind of plays. He he's kind of more of that like, like oh, the harbinger of doom character, and I think he did that role re- there really well along with some other things that he was required to do and listen woody norman as toby the kid mm-hmm. guys watch the movie you'll watch the movie and you'll be like holy shit the filmmakers went there and it's like yeah yeah they did <laughs> and, and, and i, I was give wondering that, that. Yeah. i give the movie points for that i don't know if you do see but i do because when a movie i'll say this that that movie had balls for going there i'll say no that. that's the thing though how how long has it been since we've seen a a, a, a mid-budget studio? Like, this is obviously... Like, listen, uh, Universal's A picture is Oppenheimer. Yeah. This was very obviously their B picture. Obviously. Yeah. How When was when was the last time you've seen an, a mid-budget B picture just go for the jugular like that? I have not in a while. Yeah. Like, you don't... You see that in indie movies... You see yeah. that in uh, well, I think you you are starting to see a change though that like the B movie of of the production company is not always going that far, but is actually willing to go in more special places. I yeah, yeah. Like sometimes they play it safe, um, but sometimes like I, I would say Last Voyage of the Demeter in many aspects didn't play it safe. And no. oh, something I got to mention that you and I, I I listen. I know you see. I know you very well, and I know you'll appreciate it. The fact of the matter, at least in the first half, say. in the first say. half of the movie, the they fact used a real fucking boat. I know, right? So oh, I was like, oh, you can tell they're walking on real planks and real interacting with real fucking objects. Because we were talking about this for Haunted Mansion, where like the one good part about the old one was the set, and we get a glory. And yes, it's not entirely. We'll get it. I'll get into that part in a minute, but. Um, Yes, for a large chunk of the movie, they are walking on a real boat. Yeah, the sa- the set, sales are obviously CGI. Set. Yeah, the, the sales, sales are CGI. Yeah. The sales are CGI. Like that that was pretty obvious, but the moment uh the 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 movie starts and we're at port in um I I don't know what what Eastern European country they're at. Yeah. They're at port and I just see the boat. I'm like this movie already gets a pass from me. Yeah. Because the fact that that's real, I could tell it's real. The fact that it looks like they shot on location at some sort of European port, mm-hmm. and it it the textures, the the tactileness it's of it there. all, it's all there. I was like, yes, yes, I love it, I love it. Um, anything else you want to add, C? Can I bring up not to rain on our parade, but can I bring up the the biggest issue I think with this movie? Oh, by all means. So. Look, you're doing a movie about Dracula, f- like, skulking around and, and killing all the crew members. You're going to have special effects. I get it. I, I knew that was coming. We see it in the trailers, even. Fine. But what I did like is that as much as they could, they used practical, including for some of the makeup for, for Dracula. 
And I'd say, honestly, the movie does about 50% practical, 50% special effects, give or take. I would say that's about the line. I think the biggest problem with the movie, and I don't blame the director for this, is that the line between the special effects and the practical effects is so clear, like so oh, yeah. like in oh, your yeah. face, that it gets, like there's, that that part takes you out a bit. That's, you're like, oh, wait. And unfortunately, I'm, I can't even be mad at the movie because like I get it. It's a mid-budget movie. And like, I don't want it, I don't want this to be a problem with this movie but it just was whenever Dracula went CGI, it actually looked, looked kind of goofy, like looked silly. <laughs> it did. But yeah. That, and that, and the thing, but then when you see the practical effects version of it, it was terrifying or it, it did the job. I, you know what I mean? It just, it worked. It like looks great, but there's a moment when they use CGI to make, this is a bit of a spoiler, but they use CGI to make this Dracula say some words because it is mostly silent throughout. And when that happens, I just, for some reason, the image of Disney's Goofy came into my head with the big teeth. It just didn't quite look right. I got that they were going for a more animalistic approach, but the CGI just didn't blend right with that. And it was just, also, there's a big reveal of like Dracula's true form that's CGI, and there was no way, I was I looked at that and I'm like, that also... That design would have worked way better if they did it practically. I understand why they didn't, but or at least the reveal practically. But in CGI, it just looked very odd. So that is my biggest critique of the movie: is that the CGI, even in the water, you can tell when real water is being used and with CGI water. Like it's very, like that line is more than just a chalk line. It is like a carved line in the movie that you can spot every second, and that. I try not to let that bother me, even though I talk about it all the time. And I want to give this movie credit for using practical in quite a few impressive ways. But because it was just so glaringly obvious, like, and I'll even admit that I don't think everyone would notice this is the same way you and I would, but because it was so glaringly clear and obvious and it was trying to not be, I kept like half the time I kept getting out of the movie which was just frustrating for me. That's my biggest, genuine, honest, like I still like the movie, but honest critique and problem with the movie. So my problem with the movie has more to do with kind of how the plot unfolds in the, mm. well, re really, really, truly just kind of how the plot unfolds starting with uh, the second act when, uh, when we, well, when the inciting incident that causes Dracula to hunt these these crew members down happens. is happens and that involves that like like the characters will figure out that figure out and i'm not going to get specifics but they figure out that like something's fucky about the cargo that they have to drop off at london like yes. it, it, yeah it's like it, it's it's fucky they're like like a blood transfusion has to be involved they're like so something's up yeah. And when and when the Dracula stuff starts like okay folks I understand that sometimes horror movies have to work with leaps of logic or gaps of logic suspended but, disbelief. Yeah, you have to suspend disbelief, but there's only so much you can go with it before it's like insane. Before 
no, yeah, before you're like, how are the how are the characters not thinking about this? And in that it was with the with it involved the uh the cargo that very it's literally like in their face that something's up with the cargo, that something's weird with the cargo. Mm-hmm. And when Dracula starts doing his Dracula shit, it never occurs to them to figure out like it never occurs to them, hey, the cargo that we know is fucky. We should probably check on that to see like to see like if that has anything to do with with this. And no, they, even if like there's like a moment where their excuse for not stopping early is very weak, I'll admit. No, yeah, I they, get, they, yeah. Their excuse is weak, but that that to me fell under the line of like acceptability. Mm-hmm. Like for me it was literally like but you guys know there's you guys have you guys know you have weird cargo. Why are you not coming up with the idea to 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 look at that and and then when they finally figure it when they finally are like okay let's take a look at the cargo they do nothing with the information they're given or the information they've learned and the movie just keeps trotting along and they don't even because here's the thing there's a there was an easy fix for it where like because there's a chunk of time where they're like, and the trailer gives this impression where they're out at sea, no land in sight. And they could just have fucking acknowledged that, that they're basically stuck. And the movie doesn't really do that till like the second half of the third act, which is like, okay, this should have been acknowledged way the fuck earlier. Yeah, it's, way it's just the fuck earlier. It's just one of those things. And listen, I know I can nitpick about shit like this all the time. Sure. And I, I literally just got on Reddit and Twitter, or X as it's now known. And that was the first thing everybody kept bringing up. It's like, why didn't they do this? Like the moment that this crazy thing happened, why didn't they like do this? Like they, they a crazy thing happens, a new character is introduced and they kind of just forget about the situation that introduced the new character. And then like Dracula starts doing his shit and they never bring up like, Hey, we should maybe how this character got introduced has somehow related to Dracula and none of that gets brought up until the third act. And then when they find like, Oh, this, this is, this is how, this is how all this, this is how, this is why we're in this situation. They do nothing with that information. And I'm like, wait, what? Like you said, it was one of those things where like a writer should have gone and be like, listen, this, this sticks out like a sore thumb. We should, try to at least have the characters acknowledge po- this polish this off in some polish way. that's like the one thing to me that just kept nagging at me that i was like what this the other thing and this this is so minuscule compared to everything else was that um and and i understand that you know this movie is about you know the reign of terror dracula is inflicting on these crew members mm-hmm. so they're obviously not going to like start trying to figure out what they know about vampires. Yeah. They just, they, they just experience what they experience. Mm-hmm. But sometimes the rules of like what Dracula would do to you if he attacked you, like what were the consequences of that? Where I was like, okay, well, are you, you die or do you, do you turn into a, a vampire? Like what happens to what, you? What happens to you, right? Well, I think, and in that sense, what I think the writer did, and this, I can understand this, him doing this or, or them doing this, but it's still, it is a little um, short-sighted. I don't even want to say lazy, but it was short-sighted. Where the myths of vampires and their weaknesses, their strength, the rules around them, there's like a, there's like a bit of a, there's like a bit of a bell curve, so to speak. Yeah. What you can and can't do, 
And I think what the writer did is just like, okay, what are literally all of them? And I get to use those. And it's like, that's not what you should have done. You should have picked the ones you want to use and stick with them. You yeah. don't have to. I'm not even saying you have to be like, oh, what are Dracula's rules? No, you can extend it if you really want to. That's fine. What are some vampire rules? Because Dracula has a very weird rule that almost no movie ever uses, but it is technically a rule of his. So it's it's very. Uh, yeah, the the, the yeah. rules the rules the rules. Listen. The, the way the rules are communicated is clunky and you you kind of accept that because these these folks are not like going out of their way to study Dracula they're just trying yeah. to survive so that makes sense but it's it's when they suffer damage from Dracula where I'm like okay so what are the rules like some people are fine some people are not some people die immediately some and the reason they excused it was not good as well or not great with yeah. I won't say what, but it, we know it, what. It, it, it's 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 one of those things where like one polish would have fixed all of it. I think this was second draft, but not third draft. Exactly, exactly. And, and but listen, outside of outside of that one glaring thing that I could just not stop thinking about, nothing else. The other things I mentioned did not bother me in a way where I'm like, oh, this affected my my enjoyment of the movie. Um, one, th- one thing I think we should talk about before we give our rating Steve mm-hmm. is Dracula himself. Yes. So like, like we've said over and over again, this is alien on a boat. Yes. So Dracula doesn't necessarily get a chance to alien th- was Jaws in space and this is alien on a boat. <laughs> oh yes. So yeah, literally yeah. folks, that's how alien was pitched for the record famously. Yeah. So this is and aliens was pitched with write alien, write the S, and then turn the S into a dollar sign. <laughs> Wait, really? That, 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 that's that's true. <laughs> that's totally true. Literally, uh, James Cameron turn went the S into a dollar sign. So so oh. there's two versions of that story. One that like James Cameron wrote alien and then he wrote the S and then he wrote the dollar sign. That's so awful. Jesus. But then but then there's another one where he wrote the he wrote alien and then he wrote the S. And then the exec just quietly stood up and turned the S into a dollar sign. Jesus <laughs> Christ. I mean, he wasn't wrong. He wasn't no, wrong. he wasn't wrong. He wasn't wrong. Jesus. Um, but, but so yes, Dracula here is probably his most monster-like he's been in a while. Yes. Uh, we, this ain't, this ain't your this sexy This ain't Bela Lugosi. Yeah, this ain't Bela Lugosi. This ain't sexy young Gary Oldman. This ain't, uh... This ain't like a uh, heroic, this, tragic uh, Luke Evans. This ain't even Thirty Days of Night, which is pretty graphic. No, he, he, he like, and in fact, uh, one of the characters actually explicitly states that this this vampire is more of a crazy animal than than like some sort of like sexy paranormal thing. Yeah. Um, and which also brings me up another point about something I have to say, but I'll save that at the end. Mm-hmm. Now. I really, really enjoyed the physicality of the Dracula here. Like, because, folks, and th- this is something, again, I really like what Orvidal does, is that he thinks to himself, like, okay, Dracula is away from Transylvania for the first time in his very, very long life. Uh, when, in the story, when when Jonathan Harker meets him, he is a... a, a old man almost bone like you this most this is mostly exemplified if you watch um bram stoker's dracula 
mm-hmm. where Gary Oldman is just under all that makeup. Like, yeah. the, the, like in his quote-unquote human passing form, he looks like a 100-year-old man. Yeah. So this Dracula starts off like like that, like this very weak, hungry predator who gets stronger after e- each victim. Mm-hmm. And the way that was presented in that, like, for most of the movie, when Dracula is weak, he's either crawling or he's hiding in a corner or or like he's just using the darkness to his advantage. It's it, it works really, really well. And I got to give Javier Bote a credit for that, that that extra element of physicality, I thought, added to the uh, to the reality of of the monster. You know, the the fact that it really did feel like I was watching something real versus, you know, other Lesser movies would have just made it like a CGI man bat from the get go. But mm-hmm. the fact that they start off with this like almost golem looking thing mm-hmm. and then ended up where we ended up, I thought was really well done. I don't know. Do you have any anything to add about Dracula himself? So, again, when it was practically done, it looked really cool. But then it just didn't translate in the special effects in the right way. I don't know. I guess much like part of the script, the special effects needed another pass. Actually, you know what it is? So, in this, it, personally, we've talked about another this movie. But also, in the podcast, we've mentioned a few times a film called The Empty Man. Remember how I told you, like, man, this... The empty, I love that movie, but it felt unfinished. Yeah. And we later learned that was true. Specifically, the special effects in this movie felt unfinished. Every other part looked done, ready to go. We're here. But the special effects and even the credits at the end, both just had this CGI gleam to them, more so than usual, that didn't seem like it was supposed to be intentional. And I wish that didn't take me out as much as it did, but it really did. Um... I would say, besides all the things I genuinely enjoyed about it, um, I think, yeah, there was a little bit, the suspension of disbelief was pretty impressive at times. Like, it really went there. Also, if you're gonna make, okay, this, I'm gonna be as vague as as, as possible, folks, but what I'm about to say might be a slight spoiler if you're gonna give the look you're gonna give for this Dracula which as you said is elderly man that's like very animalistic almost you then have a problem where you then try to demonstrate his victory I guess you could say Dracula's victory um sorry if that's spoilery and they did it. They, they only did it a little bit, which means it was fine. But I'm like, if you did a Dracula movie, like a full Bram Stoker's Dracula movie, and gave Dracula this look, the movie would not work. Like it just doesn't make. It wouldn't. Yeah. Make sense. And the whole point of Dracula is that is 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 the horror that this human looking thing is a monster. Really. Uh, yeah, and that's what it is. Okay, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I enjoy the look of this movie, but this look of Dracula only works for Last Voyage of the Demeter or this this specific version, not for Dracula as a whole. It just wouldn't. There would no, be so many issues. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I agree with you. I I actually have my own thoughts on the ending um in the sense of like in the sense of like like the, the 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 character uh dr clemens played by Corey hawkins he like eventually just is like dead set on just proving that like 
this isn't anything supernatural. This isn't even a man. This is just an animal that can be explained, right? Mm-hmm. And I thought it was a missed opportunity that the movie doesn't seem to want to let go of this look that it gave Dracula and kind of be like, you know, the movie kind of tries to have its cake and eat it too, where it's like, oh, it's like, like, you know, because when Dracula tries to hide amongst the people, he looks like a man. Yeah. Uh, and the way they try to do it is that they try to, they try to, you know, cut the baby in half in the sense of like, well, he's hiding amongst people, but but, it's but the- anyone would spot that from a mile away. No, yeah, anyone would spot that <laughs> from a like, mile away. They they would literally be like, "What the fuck? That's crazy!" Yeah, and, and I They'd felt like scream. it was. Yeah, I, I felt like it was a missed opportunity to kind of like throw it in Doctor Clement's face. I like no, like this ain't just a monster or this ain't just a crazy animal that's killing you all. Yeah, like this is what it is, right? So I thought yeah. that was a missed opportunity. Um, but yeah, uh, kind of, see, I'm, I'm kind of right there with you. My two biggest problems with the movie were one, how the CGI and the practical just did not mesh well together. Uh, we had, we have actually just seen a movie that succeeds on that level very, yes. very well. Yes. Really, really well. And I, I, it's kind of more frustrating that the Demeter doesn't do that. And I, I, I really, I really don't blame that on the director. I really no. just blame that on the studio. Either. Probably yeah, they probably rushed this. They probably rushed this, and yeah. uh, and like, it just again, can we like another movie we reviewed recently? This might have actually been the wrong time to release this, folks. Like yeah. maybe no, no, straight up, Haunted Mansion and Last Voyage of the Demeter. They would be making money if they were released in October, but for some no. reason they're released in July and August. <laughs> Who knows why? Yeah. Um. So that's that's my biggest problem with the movie. My second biggest problem with the movie is that there's a plot element that just sticks out like a sore thumb so hard mm. where I'm like, listen, there there's had to be a way to write around this instead of just having the characters ignore it. Like that you know what? that 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 plot element almost felt like you know in write in a lot of okay, in a lot of our writing classes they would either say kill your darlings or kill the baby. This felt like a darling they weren't willing to kill and either should have decided in the third draft we either need to kill this darling or fix it but one or the other because this version yeah. of it can't work yeah it, it just when 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 laymen are like that's the one thing i didn't understand why didn't they just do this i'm like yeah that the, the movie that that's kind of some that's a story that listen stuff like that gaps in logic i'm I, I will comment on them. They usually don't affect my rating. Believe it or not, they really don't. I just comment on them just to fill out time in this yeah, yeah. podcast. No, it's good. It's good to bring that up. Yeah, but this is one that was just so like, just, just so like. It was enough to affect your score. This yeah. W- it, this one yeah, was. It was so egregious because I was like, why don't they just do, well, guys, why aren't you just doing this? Oh, okay, okay, okay. Oh, you're just going to pretend it's not a thing. Yeah, you guys just completely forgot the, about if it. If they acknowledged it, that would satisfy the need. Honestly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so outside of those two big things, and um, that that's really it. Just outside of those two big things, um, you know, I, 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 and you know, again, a little tiny quibble I have about the ending, and a little tiny quibble I have about how the rules were communicated to the audience. Mm-hmm. I, I gotta say this this was a this was a fun time in the movie theater. It really was. I Orvidal knows how he knows his way around a scary story. He really yes. does. He's and proven this he's at proven least this. twice. 
I I would be really interested to see him being given like hey here's the thing, like Guillermo del Toro's kind of taken him under his wing. Mm-hmm. I really want to see like Guillermo del, and I know Guillermo del Toro doesn't have all the clout in Hollywood, but I'd love to see him like like actually get the chance to work on like an a a list prestige horror picture, mm-hmm. um maybe something on the level of, like what it was for uh for Warner Brothers, mm-hmm. uh like maybe give him the opportunity to direct uh the the whatever reimagining of frankenstein universal wants to do mm-hmm. um give him the opportunity to maybe direct something original he has some maybe he has a ghost story in him i don't know but i really i i really want to see him being given like the keys to the castle and see what he can create because like troll hunters a great time scary stories to tell in the dark is amazing uh, autopsy of jane doe is really really well done it's terror. Uh, it's just that's the scariest movie in my opinion, for and, me. Uh, and Last Voyage of the Demeter is like at least on the directing level, is a great execution of an, an ingenious idea, mm-hmm. in my opinion. So yeah. for me, I give this. I give this a. Uh, I give this uh, a flush that just barely crossed the finish line. It's a flush, but it's not the best flush out there. It's 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 a great time in the movie theater by the time y'all get this review it's probably already out of theaters because it's not making a lot of money no it's but, not but when it releases on peacock please watch it on halloween you will not have a bad time you really yeah, yeah. won't you won't um i so i actually for the past because when the yes folks this was delayed don't worry about it as I was watching this movie, I'm like, I need to give this a flush. I need to give this a flush. But like, because it's not, this isn't just a movie. This is not. But the problems this movie has do stick out like sore thrums. So, you know what I'll call this? This is a try-hard flush. Yes, it's a flush. It's very well done. It's very original. But it's like, it's trying so hard to be that that it's losing sight of some of its problems. Mm-hmm. And what's a shame is these, what I think what actually makes me a little mad is that most of these problems were very easily fixable and actually none of them were the director's fault. Well, okay, some of, some of them, there's some onuses on the director, but it, for the most part, this didn't seem to be a lot of the director's fault. And, so this and is none a try-hard flush. None of it was on the fault of the cast, too. No, everyone in the cast was great. Everyone um, in the cast was great. David Desmolchin, I really hope he starts getting meteor roles, because, yeah. like, like when, and, and we'll we'll end it on this, like, right, right as the movie's starting, you're like, okay, he's just kind of going to be a side character who gets no focus. And then, like, you start to learn how much of the Demeter means to the character of Wojcik. Yes. That you're like, wow. And and the growth he goes through that when he realizes he's going to have to sacrifice something that means so much to him. There's a scene he has with Liam Cunningham where Liam Cunningham basically gives him the spiel, like the doom spiel, of like, this is my last go around before retirement. <laughs> I know. And, and he, okay, but, there but, were a few of those lines that were just a touch like schmaltzy, but it was but, okay. But the the look when, 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 David Desmolchin's character realizes what that means for him, mm-hmm. that he's going to get promoted. Yeah. Like that look just said everything you needed to know about the character and what he felt yeah. about 
working on this ship. And, and, I, and I did appreciate actually one thing I'll say. No, no character was fully two dimensional, at least. Yeah. So they all had some dimension. And it, ironically, the one character that like you, I thought was going to be super two dimensional did not literally stick around on the boat. Like he left. I saw that guy and I'm like, oh, he's going to be the asshole. And then he was out. He's like, fuck this. You know, I'm the, not doing this. You know, the funny thing is because in these types of movies, there's always the asshole. Mm-hmm. There is the asshole. And, and here's the thing though. He, the way he's the asshole is a way where you're like, yeah, that would make sense. That mm-hmm. would make sense. Like I, I, I remember t- telling, like I was telling someone about the movie and they say, well, that actually happened. I'm like, yeah, dude. Think yeah. about the time period that happened in. Of course. Yeah. Uh, but it, but even then, it's not a like a, a throwaway reason. He's being an asshole because he's convinced that like they've done something to anger the ocean gods. Yeah. And he's just lashing out. Yeah. Uh, so even then, you're like, okay. I mean, it's not good that he's an asshole, but at least there's a there's a legitimate there's reason. There's a historic context for this. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, last voyage of the Demeter, folks. Give it a watch if it's still in Check your local theater. I, yeah, I, I enjoyed oh yeah, and it. See if you can see this in theaters. As if we didn't make yeah. that clear. Yes. Yeah, yeah. If not, you know, when it appears on Peacock, if you have a good sound, because the sound, the the sound design in here is it's pretty great. damn good. Yeah, it's yeah. really good. All right, folks. That has been. What do you think? I'm Al, and I'm C. The children of the night. What sweet music they make as they lullabies to sleep. Good night, everybody. Mm-hmm.